Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone online. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, uh, didn't our team do a great job leading us in worship this morning? So good. You know, that's what we're... uh, talking about in this series is that we want to be immersed in the presence of God. We want to be immersed in the Word of God so that we can be living out the ways of God. Just one thing before we continue this morning. I see some kids in the room. So we've got some kids over here. We've got some kids back over here. We've got a kid in the front row. I think I, saw, I don't want to miss anybody. I've got one right here. I just want to say I'm sorry <laughs> that we don't have city kids open for you. And I know I, I sat in a lot of um, I've got some more kids over here. I, I sat in a lot of services growing up with my dad's preaching, and it was really boring. But I just want you to know, <laughs> I just want the kids in the room to know that God is not boring. He is awesome. He's exciting. And we're going to have city kids <laughs> open for you as soon as we can, and then you'll enjoy church again. But in the meantime, it's just going to have to tough it out with your parents. I'm sorry. But I love you. Thank you for being here today. Let's give our kids a hand in the room. So good. Sitting there so politely. Love you so much. All right. We are in week four of a series that we have called Following the Way. We want to dive into the ways of God in this series so we can look at the Word of God so that the Word of God, His thoughts, His ways can permeate our lives not just man's ways, but God's ways. And our scripture that we have been talking about at the end of the book of Judges, it says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And we're going to be talking about this idea of leadership today or government and how do we interact um, with this idea. And, you know, for, for all of the parents in the room, as your kids are growing up, I'm sure that you have felt this tension as they get a little bit older, um, and you, you, you used to be their king, like we saw here in Israel. We used to be the king in the house, and they had no words worth listening to, but then they start to grow up. And what is the temptation as your kids grow up? You actually still want to be the king. You want to be the dictator of their lives the totalitarian leader, that everything you say they must do, but then you realize, you know, they're getting a little bit older, maybe they're 20. And maybe they actually, we we need to trust them with some of the words that we've said to them growing up. And this is what God does with us. He gives us his words. He gives us this wonderful book forged over 1,500 years, full of his wisdom and his ways. And he's wanting us to walk in his ways. He's not going to be a dictator. He's not going to be a totalitarian leader forcing us to do things. Man, he's going to give us his word, and he's going to want us to choose to follow his word. But here, what was the problem? In Israel, they had no king. There was nothing ruling over them. There there was nothing that they were submitting themselves to, and they had issues. And once again, for us in our culture right now, It's a little bit of the culture that we live in, the relativism of our culture, that everybody's sort of choosing their own thing, but there is actually nothing for them to yield to. And we don't want to operate like that as believers. 
we actually have a Lord that we have yielded ourselves to, and he's a loving God. He's not a totalitarian leader. He's not a dictator. That he is the one that sacrificed himself for us, that he's given us himself because of love, and then we can choose to follow him. So, so far in this series, we've been contrasting man's ways or the ways of the world and God's ways. And we see that God wants the church to be influential in this time. He wants us to be influential in the ways of culture. And, and then we talked about uh, living the path of most resistance. In other words, resisting the ways of the world and choosing the ways of God. And then last week, we talked about the way of the family of God. And don't you love the way of the family of God? Don't you love the vision that God has given for a multi-racial, multi-ethnic family of God around the world, this global family followers of Jesus? And that is the wonderful way that God has given us to do family. Now, in this series so far, I've, I've read a bunch of ways that we have seen in Scripture. And I'm just for the sake of time today, I'm not going to read all of those again. If you have missed any of those messages previously, they're all available on our church podcast. And our podcast is now available on Spotify because we are just that cool. And, and then it's also all of the video message, messages are available to us. But where we get to with the ways of God is that Jesus is the way. And when we look at the life of Jesus, it's not just all of these unfounded, unbounded ways that they actually, we actually see them in the life of Jesus, that Jesus always did the right thing. That he said the right thing, and he asked the right questions, and he answered the questions the right way. And we want to choose the way of God. We want to choose the way of his thoughts over our thoughts, his ways over our ways, his lordship, and then our discipleship. So a way just means a journey, a going, a manner, a means, a path, a road. So not only do we have a destination with God and his presence forever, but the way we live, how we live on the road there, Jesus is telling us is very important. How, how we live our lives, that we would um, let the ways of God permeate us in every way so that we can be different makes, makers in the culture. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, says this. If you have your Bibles, open them up. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus says to his disciples, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. It's a, it's a preservative. You are a preservative in the culture that you are, you have an opportunity to flavor the culture according to God's ways, but then it says if you've lost your saltiness, what good are, you know, in other words, you're just doing the ways of the culture. That Jesus has something for his followers to do, a way to be in the world for all times that he's calling, hey, you are the salt. You are going to be the difference makers. And then he says this, you are the light of the world. And we're like, no, 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 Jesus is the light of the world. Yes, Jesus is the ultimate light of the world, but his light is in you. His light is in me, and he's wanting us to light the world with God's ways not just the ways of the world. And he says that a city set on a hill, in order to people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. That the way we live our lives can give light to other people. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And ways that we would be 
according to God's ways, is what the world needs us to be right now. Can I get an amen? Remember, you got to represent everybody online today. Got to give me those loud amens. The church needs to be the church in this season. The church needs to be followers of Jesus in this season so we can be salt and light, that we can be different difference makers. And one of the things, as I mentioned last week, there's a lot of division in the world. And one of the ways that there's division in the world is division over politics. And once again, our, our culture is pulling itself apart and it's becoming polarized with all of these different political ideas. Just, it's, they're becoming very extreme and everybody's accusing each other of things and everybody's name calling. And it would be terrible for the Christians just to enter the conversations just like everybody's entering the conversation. That we can actually be salt and light in the world as it stands today and in the current political culture that we are finding ourselves in, the current uh, governmental culture that we find ourselves in and around us. And you know that none of these things, once again, caught God by surprise. And none of these things are new to humanity. That This is why we can go to the scripture because we can see how governments operated in the past and there was good leaders and there was bad leaders and then and what did god call people to do in those moments and then we can find out those ways and we can be salt and light very famous portion of scripture that we always read at christmas time is this isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 for unto us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That the kingdom of God is designed, the government of God is designed and has significance in, where does it end up? Oh, we have a Prince of Peace. That Jesus, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, how do we see his rule in our lives and then by extension our salt and light that we would live out what is, our, what is our prince? What is his name, by the way? Jesus. What is he? He's the prince of peace. This is a good place for us to start. Peace in my heart, and then peace that I can bring. Now, am I just another political antagonist, just like all of the other political antagonists out in the world? Or could I, a follower of Jesus, somehow be bringing peace to the conversation away of God? Now, when we look to the past, so here we're living in a very specific time culture as it relates to government and rule and structure. We look to the past and it, this would be a good study for everybody. Has everybody in the past lived under our current governmental culture and system? What is the answer? No, definitely not. And this is why this verse has so much meaning for us and so much power that the government, the government for the individual Christ follower will work in every governmental system. And we see this is true not only in the past, but right now, today, there we have brothers and sisters in Christ who don't live in democracies. Did you know that? That they don't get to vote. That they live completely controlled by the state. And they don't live in a country in which 
their tithes and offerings are a tax deduction. They live in a place where at any moment government could rush into their church services and arrest them. But what are they doing in this different governmental culture? They are living as salt and light, another voice in a culture that provides a different voice. So where is Jesus governing? Where is the government of God? Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is not a matter of these outward things. It's not a matter of an exterior government. It's the government of your heart. The kingdom of God is not this, but what is it? It's peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when we have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, whatever the governmental structure looks like for believers now and in the past and forever in the future, man, we can have joy and peace and we can be salt and light in whatever context we're living. So I'm not looking to the government for Jesus to rule the government. I'm, the question is, is Jesus governing my life? Is Jesus governing my heart? Not the external geography, but something spiritual, something on the inside. See, the discussion that Jesus had with Pilate, and we're going to look at part of it today. Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Are you the king of the Jews? And, you know, great. She'd look at it. She'd read it today. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And that doesn't mean an alien culture. It means he's not operating within the world system of government. That God has something. There's another way. There's a way of the kingdom of God separate from a political discussion. And especially a polarizing one. For individual Christ followers to follow the disciples right before the ascension said to Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, what? You're, you're going to sit on the physical throne, right, of Israel, Jesus. Now you're going to be the king that we can see because we want to be able to see our king. We want a physical king. And then what happened? He ascended and they're like, wait, what? How are you going to be the king of Israel? If we can't see you. Jesus said while he was on the earth, he said, the kingdom is not here and there. He said to us, he said to his disciples, he said, the kingdom is within you. So we can bring the kingdom of God to every kingdom we touch. And this is true for all time, and it will be true for all time. The kingdom of God is not some politically voted upon kingdom. God voted. And who did he vote for? For the government to be on his shoulders. What is his name? Jesus. God already voted. God has done something. So that we would always look to Jesus to be the king of our hearts. And we would stop doing what the disciples were trying to do. And Israel was trying to do. We're going to look at that later in the message. 
I just need, I just need a physical king. And, and Jesus said, my kingdom is within you. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, but seek first, everybody say first, first. the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the place of God's rulership. I'm Canadian, but that's secondary to me being a seeker of God's kingdom. I am first a citizen of the kingdom of God. My first calling is to be salt and light in the earth because I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not just a citizen of Canada. This, 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 This nation is brand new on the world scene. Did you know this? It's a brand new country. Before Canada and before all of the nations was the kingdom of God. And this is why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The believer's first allegiance is with the kingdom of God. First. Before you're a right-winger or a left-winger, or however you want to describe your politics, before any of that, first, your first allegiance is with the kingdom of God. Can I get a loud amen? amen. If I have disordered affections for political systems, I will have disordered peace in my heart. Because first... Seek after the kingdom of God. And when I have the peace of God, then I can be the peacemaker that God has called me to be. See, I, I, I believe that, that followers of Jesus should work and be in every sector of the Canadian culture. I think believers should work everywhere. We should be involved in politics. We should be involved in economies. We should be involved in medicine. We should be involved in the law. We should be involved. Whatever business that you work in, there needs to be believers there, and you're there. And what's the best thing we can bring there? Is it our political opinions? Boring. What is it that you can bring where you work and where you live? And you could bring the kingdom of God. And this is God's solution. God already voted. That this idea works in every political system, whether you get to vote or not. What am I doing? I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, and I am taking the kingdom of God with me, and we need this, friends. Don't we need this in society? Are there problems in our society? So what do we need? We need a totalitarian leader who will demand, no, 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 no. We need you and me to go work there. We need believers to go work there to bring change, to bring kingdom change to all of the kingdoms of this world. We We don't actually need a Christian prime minister or president. Doesn't matter. (laughs) I know I ruined somebody's day with that one. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because the government, 
that's on Jesus' shoulders is the government of your heart. There is no human boundary to it. Here Jesus had an interaction with a political leader right before he getting crucified. John chapter 19, verse 12 says this, from then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat him down on the judgment seat at a place called the stove, the stone pavement, pavement, Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, behold your king. He was saying it mockingly. They cried out, away with him. Away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest, listen, answered, we have no king but Caesar. So they delivered him over to be crucified. The religious leaders compromised themselves for political expediency. You're like, oh my gosh, look at that. Can't believe they did that. Individual Christ followers do the same thing when we prioritize the kingdoms of this world over the kingdom of God. And if we prioritize the kingdom of politics over the kingdom of God, we are choosing something disordered. We got to get the order right, friends. Followers of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, here's another something that will bless everybody. No political party holds and functions in Christian ethics completely. There should be an amen there somewhere. (laughs) Not even the one you like the best. Now, political parties, anything good about any political party, they've actually chosen a scriptural principle. And then what happens is different political parties are picking and choosing different things. But there's no political party, there's no man-made political party that has lined up with all of Jesus' ethics. I know that, I know that you think your favorite one has, but it hasn't. So this is why we have to hold it lightly. That I'm, as a follower of Jesus, what are we going to do? We're going to do the words of Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That the government is on the shoulders of Jesus, the government of my heart. See, political parties are trying to get votes. Do you understand this? And political parties, if you've done a little study, which maybe you should, Political parties have morphed over time and changed their positions over time. Why have they changed their positions over time? Because they're trying to get votes, friends. They're trying to get people to vote for them so that they can lead, so they can manage the country. 
Are you, are you surprised by this information? So what are, what are they doing? Well, they might actually be compromising themselves to choose something to get votes. So I don't look at any of those political parties as somehow this is a, an ethical behemoth for me to choose. You know, there's, there's been a lot um, talk about elections as like, well, it's, it's, I'm picking the lesser of two evils. Every election is that. Because we have never voted for Jesus in an earthly sense. I mean, God did. But there's, we're, ne- there's, there's, we're never going to come to some election and be like, that person is perfect. Right? Twitter will find them out. They'll, will, they will have tweeted 10 month, years ago and everybody will be against them now. But there's, we're, not, we're not ever voting for a perfect person. And if you, once again, if you just learn from history a little bit, every, per, every person that we put in power in the democratic sense, eventually their foibles, their humanity, their sinful nature comes out in their leadership, right? Even in the parties you like. This is true. That is just, that's just a true statement. You might want to fight it. It's just a true statement. Why? Because they're imperfect. They actually would look like just like you would look like if you were prime minister. We would see after four or five years, they're just not perfect. If I was prime minister, they would see after four or five years what my family knows 10 minutes after knowing me. And your family knows 10 minutes after knowing you, you're not perfect. So let's not put all our eggs in these political baskets and have our emotions and Christians involved in conversations, political conversations, and they sound just like everybody else. What are we choosing in a democracy? We're just choosing a glorified manager of our nation. We are not picking a king of our heart, friends. And then four or five years down the road, we need to pick a new set of idiots to get in there and give it a try. And I'm including you and I, we would be the same, friends. And I don't mean when I say that, I'm not disrespecting anybody. I'm just saying we're all imperfect. That's the point of my thing. <clears throat> so what are some biblical thoughts for us to engage in the situation that we find ourselves in? How does the gospel affect me in the conversation? God has provided a way that justifies me eternally. Me being aware that I am hopeless without grace. So that should humble me. And just like I said, I would be as flawed as those people that are presently in charge. That's why God says... The government is on Jesus' shoulders. 
the government of your heart. Believers are not voting for a king of their heart. See, this is why our, 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 our political opinions and discussions need to stay there. That's what they are, friends. They're opinions. They're, there's, there, there's discussions. It's good to have. You should have political discussions with people. But don't use differing political discussions for a reason to hate somebody. Because then we're just like everybody else. It's opinions. You have a political opinion. I have a political opinion. So and so. You should have discussions. It's fun. If you can have a reasonably civil political discussion. It's hard to do nowadays. But if you could have one, it would be fun. Back and forth. See this. This is the way I see it. And this is the way I see it. That has nothing to do with God has chosen the government to be on Jesus' shoulders. That, that's, that political discussions and, is, and opinions, it's, it's a way of this world. God's kingdom is not of this world. And if we choose that kingdom, the way God's kingdom operates, we can be affecting the kingdom that we live in. When we are offended, would people and other Christians disagree with me or don't share my political approach? My political opinion has now become my functional king. I mean, you don't agree with me? You don't see this exactly the way I see it? And you're offended that another follower of Jesus doesn't choose your political party. And you're all up in arms. And I I can't believe it. And they call themselves a Christian. But they disagree with me about politics. Your political opinion has now become your functional king. Jesus is the only one that deserves that throne in my life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Not my opinion on stuff. Not my take on it. See, we must fight the spirit of the age. What is the spirit of the age? Disagreeing disagreeably. Angry, hateful, political conversations, name-calling. Because if we choose the way of the world as it relates to a political discussion, we lose our saltiness. We lose our ability to make a difference in the conversation. See, we don't need a political leader to do godly things. And that's one of the blessings of living in Canada it, it doesn't matter who becomes prime minister. We're still allowed to do godly things. So we should never cry after an election. <laughs> they just, not everybody agrees with me and not everybody picked my person. <laughs> we live in Canada. We can do godly stuff. It doesn't matter who's in charge of our nation. Jesus is in charge of our heart. I don't need 
the ruler of this nation to be the person that I would choose, man, I could do Jesus stuff. I could do the ways of God. Aren't you thankful for that? There are brothers and sisters in Christ around the world living right now in 2020 that can't do that. And there's Christians in the West crying over they didn't get their leader. You have your leader. God has voted. And his name is Jesus. He is the only one that deserves the rightful place at the throne of your heart, no political party or leader. His name is Jesus. I'm telling you, friends, the church needs to be the church. We need to go work out in all of the areas of the world, including politics, but we need to be followers of Jesus when we go to do it. Amen to myself. <laughs> See, this is nothing new, though. I'm just telling you where we're at. This is nothing new. I'm taking more time because my mic wasn't working for a while, all right? <laughs> let's, let's look at this. First Samuel chapter 8. And, and what, what I'm going to say with these verses is we shouldn't desire, we shouldn't have an over-desire for a natural person, a natural leader, leader from a political party to lead me. It shouldn't actually matter that much to us. Because if it is, it's captured our heart in ways that God doesn't want to our hearts to be captured. For Samuel chapter 8. Now the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. See, Israel wanted to be, we just want to be like all of the other nations. And there's believers today, they just want to engage in political conversations just like everybody else. It's just as hateful and angry as everybody else. But if Jesus is our Lord, we don't get that choice. It's not an option on the table for us. We don't get to be like all of the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel and said, give us the king to judge us. We, we need this person. We need this person to rule over us. Listen to what they're saying. The Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say, for they have not, not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And this is what happens to us when we get too passionate about a political leader. What does God say? They haven't, rejected you. they haven't rejected you, Samuel. God is saying they've rejected me. When we don't seek the kingdom of God first, first, everybody say first. That means number one. And we don't even need democracy to be a follower of Jesus. And some people have democracy and their political leaders so far number one that we not, we're not even sure if they're believers. 
because of how they enter in the conversation. So where are my affections? Are my affections for the Prince of Peace or a human ruler? Because eventually, my human ruler is going to get voted out of power. And then what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, we're going to let the, the Prince of Peace rule our hearts. I'm not living and dying with elections in Canada or the States. It doesn't matter. I'm going to let the, peace, the Prince of Peace rule in my heart. And I'm going to live to be a peacemaker. Have a fun political discussion. Go for it. Have fun banter. It's great. But at the end of it, know that Jesus is your Prince of Peace. Mark chapter 12, verse 13. And they sent him to some of the Pharisees and said to the Herodians to trap him in his talk. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are true and you do not care about anyone's opinion. What are they trying to do? They're, they're trying to cancel him, trying to catch him. We know that you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. This is what they ask. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a Daenerys. And they let him look at it. In other words, a coin. And they brought him one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? On the coin, they said, Caesar's. Jesus said, render to Caesar's that are Caesar's and to God that are God's. And they marveled at him. Whose image is on the coin of the way of the world? Well, that, that's just going to be the way of the world. But then Jesus says, by implication, Whose image is on you and me? We're made in the image of God. We're not made in the image of politics. We're not made in the image of right wing and left wing. Great conversation, fun, go for it, have it. But the question Jesus is saying is, whose image is on you? Here, here, this is Caesar's. This is the way of the world. Pay your taxes. This would be a good spot to preach on tithing, but I won't. Whose image is on us? Render to God's what is God's and what is God's. It's your heart. It's your affection. It's seeking first the kingdom of God. It's allowing the, the Prince of Peace to be the ruler of my heart. And then my emotions don't have to go up and down, up and down with political situations, man. I can, whatever the political situation, whatever the political climate, you and I there can be bringers of peace. Why? Because we live in a different kingdom. We are called to operate from a different kingdom, from a different place. Last verses here, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. But you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
Do you hate your political enemy? But I say to you, love your enemies. This is a different world. This is a different kingdom. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. This is what the sons of God do. What do we do? We pray for our enemy. Or do we call him out on Facebook? That is what we do. That's what believers do. No, no, then we're just operating in the kingdoms of this world. Skip down to verse 47. It says, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? What more are we doing if we only greet those that agree with us politically? See, there's a call for you and I to do more. To not just do the ways of the world. God has some ways for us, and there are some more ways. They are some higher ways. God says, my ways are not your ways. Finally, 1 Timothy chapter 2, first of all then I urge you that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. What should we be doing? Praying. Have your political discussions. You should go vote. Thank God that we can vote. But what should mark us more than anything else? Now we're going to pray for our leaders. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a quiet, a peaceful, a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And there is the kingdom desire. The ultimate kingdom desire, our first kingdom desire, is for people to know God, not to agree with me politically. This is our our desire. We're going to pray. And then what is our desire? I want people on the right, and I want people on the left. Everybody who's involved in the political conversation today, what do they all need? They all need Jesus. This is our desire. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word. God, we desire to walk in the ways of your kingdom. And today, again, Lord, we remind ourselves that Jesus is our prince, that Jesus is the ultimate ruler in your kingdom. We yield ourselves afresh and anew again, Lord, to you. That we put our political opinions in their rightful place. And we say again, Lord, that you are number one in our lives. The ways of peace, the ways of being a peacemaker. God, help us to to go out into the kingdoms of this world and bring your peace. 
we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. We just read there at the end that it's, it's God's desire for everyone to have a relationship with himself. And how is it that we have a relationship with God? that God came down in Jesus. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead so that we could actually know him ourselves. We don't have a relationship with God by us being perfectly moral people because we aren't. We don't have a relationship with God because of some sort of religion that we have created and offered up to God. Know that God has offered something to us. And all we have to do is say yes. So if you're here in the room, if you're watching us online and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. Or maybe you're here in the room or you're watching us online and you felt like you, know, you were close to God at one time and maybe something happened, something difficult, maybe a struggle of some kind and you kind of feel distant from God today. Maybe something that you did. You know that God invites you close to himself again. You pray along with us as well. So church family, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so that I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at City Church GTA. Thanks again for joining us.